There's been a lot going on in the news this week, but if you've been watching the news, only Brett Kavanaugh has been going on. You're listening to the Propaganda Report with Brad Binkley and Monica Perez. Monica, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm overwhelmed by all this Brett Kavanaugh coverage. It's really it's it's overbearing and it's obnoxious to be honest with you. Yes. Every show spends the entire time talking about Brett Kavanaugh. Now here I am opening our show, <laughs> continuing the trend. I really hate that. I hate when they tell me what to think about and what to talk about and then I have to do it. But I'll tell you, even if things are a scam, things are a distraction, things are made up, whatever, they get real. They make it real. They make it important. They make they they have things change because of it. I mean, this guy although I'm conservative justices these days, so-called, aren't defending the Bill of Rights to the to the bitter end. They're they're being like hard on crime or whatever. Like, so you can't, I don't, they, nobody's my hero who's getting nominated by either of the parties or presidents from either party now uh, a days. But this guy is as non-threatening as you're going to get from one side to the other. I don't, the, the only thing I can think of that they're doing is trying to kick the can, kick the can, kick the can until after the election and say, now you have a bunch of lame ducks, so we should wait until after all these guys take office in right. January. And then and bring um, in the next rapist or person that will accuse of rape. Democrats aren't rapists. Oh, yeah, they are, but they handle it well. Right. So Franken, yeah, well, they're more like etiquette. Apologize. They know the etiquette about. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't mean it. Right. Yeah. They were just it, it was an accident when they did it. But <laughs> when Republicans evil. do it, it's insidious. That's how it always works. Those were different times. Thank God times are changing. The funniest clip I heard this week in, in reference to Kavanaugh, or at least just the. I don't even think this guy believes what he's saying when he says this. This is one of the Pod Save America guys. I'll just let you hear what he has to say about Kavanaugh and how Republicans are responding to the accusations. Some Republicans are calling this whole thing an 11th hour accusation orchestrated by Democrats. How can they even begin to say this with a straight face? I know. I mean, one thing to know, just if you worked in government, I think you – uh, get a sense for how hard and unlikely it is to orchestrate a real conspiracy. And like that's a, that's what they're alleging, that Dianne Feinstein received a letter uh, from Ms. Blasey Ford, the, the accuser in this instance, and sat on it through the confirmation hearings for some reason to disclose it the Sunday before the, uh, the, vote, the vote itself. These are guys who spend every one of their shows talking about how the president is engaged in a conspiracy. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, how is that difficult for her to sit on it? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's just timing. Timing is really important. I mean, that um, I remember that video about like selling baby parts. You know, that was the uh, the Planned Parenthood hidden thing. Maybe James O'Keefe, whatever. I believe that was like 18 months old when it came out. You thought it just happened, but it, it, they sat on it for a really long time. It's not that hard to do that. Yeah. It, it, they, timing is one of the biggest things in propaganda. You do things specifically time to distract from other things. Of course, it's easy to do a conspiracy when you're in government, when you control everything. And these guys worked in government, so they know that. And they talk about how Trump, everything Trump does is a conspiracy. But when it's, when it's a, a Democrat – no, it's never. And their audience won't and believe it because their audience about, 
what about that? I was just thinking the other day about the smoking gun from, was it some kind of professor talking about how stupid people are with respect to Obamacare? Do you remember that? Yeah, there's one of the guys who was helping to write it. He was saying the American people will believe anything. They're stupid. I can't remember exactly what he said. And then there was the video of the, um, is it the Apollo group? It was something like that. The Tides Foundation guy. It was some Soros-affiliated thing where uh, a high, you know, a guy I knew from other, other activism was giving a presentation saying, it was a Trojan horse or whatever to have universal health care that they would put push this in first and later it would turn into something else. And another time I was listening to like a senator or congresswoman say, uh, our goal is to bankrupt the insurance companies and then we'll have to go to universal health care. I mean, these are not. What about when Sadowski or Sikowski or whatever her name is? started cursing and said, they tell me I'm allowed to do that now. These are all conspiracies. Those are just all evidence of conspiracy. They admit it openly. They are plotting always. Yeah, but the audience of Pod Save America doesn't know any of that stuff. But they do know it because these guys are accusing Trump of conspiracy all day long. No, no. They're telling the truth all day long in the minds of their audience. But here's the thing that always gets me about Republicans and Democrats, voters I'm talking about. They will always believe negative things about the other side. And they're right. Anything they can accuse the other side of, it has probably happened. If it hasn't happened, it's just because nobody thought about it yet in all the years of do-anything politics, right? Yeah. But they'll never... You know, not not everybody, but the people who are showing who are like, but the Supreme Court, you know, people who are really desperate about the parties, they will never look over their own shoulders and see that their people are scamming them, too. Not that they're they're flawed, but that they're scamming them. Yeah. You know, and you this this budget, no one talks about this insane budget that was just there was no controversy about a 1.3 trillion dollar budget obama could not and did not get away with that and he mentioned that in the speech he gave people don't they're like well trump's doing a lot of good things it's like yeah well by the that measure everybody does a lot of good things we keep this great country going without uh 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 secession right i mean right now for a while that you could name everything as as a as something positive, but yeah. they're not turning anything around and they're not really serving us, which would be, in my opinion, I mean, it's obvious to start with by restoring the Bill of Rights. Well, that would be a good start. And and the, I have to say that the Kavanaugh thing is goes along with what uh, Joe Manchin launched and Michael Steele bobbleheaded right next to him that due process is killing us right now. And and all this stuff from uh, Bill Cosby to Kavanaugh to the Me Too movement is all about eliminating the concept of due process. And they're doing it in ways the Bill Cosby thing is absolutely outrageous. Uh, but all these other ways, they're doing it in arenas where you're not strictly entitled to Bill of Rights Due process. Bill Cosby was, and he was robbed of his Sixth Amendment rights. But they're doing it all in these contexts where 
and even Alex Jones getting taken down. People who tweet with me regularly will tweet, well, he deserves it. He's a putz. <laughs> it's yeah. like, okay, yes, that's why they, they pick putzes. Exactly. So See, that, think about it, yeah. You know, and in every case, you can get someone to say on both sides of the aisle, well, he's not my guy. You know, he's, he's, I, I, I can't defend him. You would, they, the rights would never be taken away from, uh, from somebody less controversial, but that's just not how it works. Right. When they took away cigarettes in New York, I said, they're coming for your coffee next. Now they didn't come for coffee next, but they did come for soda, sugar, yeah. Yeah. you know, they did, they did. And people were used to it by then. We're used to getting their rights taken away. And I think that this Kavanaugh thing is a sign, is a mark of uh, regress from the Anita Hill thing where absolutely it was crystal clear. It sets up a moral hazard to have stuff that absolutely is not and cannot be proven. But you know that the Anita Hill thing, they the story on Anita Hill now is that – she got screwed over. That's of course. Uh, I mean, but they, but the the left always thought that the left never said that she was lying. Yeah, l- let me play you this clip because it it's an example of exactly what you just said about how each side doesn't recognize. Basically, if your side does something that isn't true or say presents false news, then it was an honest mistake. It was made in earnest. Mm-hmm. If the other side did it, mm-hmm. it was always insidious. <laughs> that's, how, that's how it works. and or, or they just don't recognize it. This is a clip from Amanda Carpenter. Now, she is the author of, an, of another anti-Trump book. One, I'm going to compile a list of the names of all of these books. Is this the kid? The She's kid. She's a kid, right? Amanda Carpenter. Was she not a Parkland student? No. Oh, who is she? She's just a CNN political oh, commentator, okay. and she – I feel like they all just picked random buzzwords out of a hat, and they're like, all right, go ahead and yeah. write a book based on your buzzword. Right. One, <laughs> yes, absolutely. This one is called Gaslighting America. <laughs> oh, yeah, I heard of that. And I want you to listen to the – I mean all of it, but the the three themes that she says have been Trump's, the, the themes that he has propagated mm-hmm. since his presidency. Some of the defining narratives of his presidency, which is why I think Brendan is right to call him the conspiracy theorist in chief. Three things really come to mind. That's the deep state, the rigged election and fake news. And what makes this sort of awkward is that we expect Donald Trump as president of the United States to be a defender of major institutions. And yet we have a president who is floating these theories that get at to the credibility of these institutions. And so. He continues to stoke this us versus them mentality, even while we look to him to protect uh, these major things that we look towards. And so that's what makes this really awkward. And the thing that moves us into a dangerous realm is that when the president of the United States does this, is that political conspiracies can be more dangerous because at some point, if you think there's big, terrible things happening, people want to take action. And that may be something more than voting. There's a lot there. But I know, at the, I'm ready. At the beginning, <laughs> the, the themes that she put out, the deep yep. state, the Russian... Rigged uh, elections. The rigged elections and fake, fake news. news. Yeah. The second, the, the number two and three are the themes that the mainstream media has been propagating also since the beginning of his presidency. And when it comes to the deep state, that recent New York Times anonymous letter openly says, we're not a deep state, we're a steady state. So... 
one of those things basically confirmed, even though not confirmed in the way that it really is because people don't know what the real deep state is. But the other two are themes that the, the very media that was speaking propagates every single day, saying that the other side propagates it. Uh, yes. And what's what's true is all three of those things are actually the what's why our government is no longer a representative democratic republic. Yeah. It's I, I want to remind you to title her book again. Her, the title of her book is Gaslighting America. What you taught me what that is, and I even put it in my glossary, but I can't remember now. What is, is gaslighting? You, you convince people that what they remember isn't true. What? Let's see if my handy-dandy glossary is up and running. Yeah, you just drill people with stuff and convince them that they are – the reality, they, the facts they remember in the past aren't true. All right. Um, I'm going to tell you what. What my glossary says, gaslighting is a form of manipulation that seeks to sow seeds of doubt in a targeted individual or members of a group hoping hoping to make targets question their own memory. Very good. Perception and sanity. Sanity, yes. Using that was what it was in the uh, in the movie with Ingrid Bergman. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. that's not what happened when we were at yeah. that party Using, when we were in high school, remember? My daughter does that to me. You know what happened? That's not what happened. You didn't have a good time. Here's what happened. When he touched <laughs> you like that, he raped you. Oh, that movie. There was a great movie. Um, very good, I should say. The Woman on the Train or something like that with, uh, you know, that chick actress. <laughs> it was great though. It was um where it says using persistence denial, misdirection, contradiction and lying it attempts to destabilize the target and delegitimize the target's belief. Yeah. This term up came up recently in a zero hedge article the gaslighting of the American public continues. That was a 20 a February of 2017 article in Zero Hedge. But it wasn't about oh, it, oh my freaking links are dead. <laughs> this damn Ah, uh, WordPress really screwed me. Uh, I'm sure in Zero Hedge it wasn't saying what she's saying. It, I'm sure the Zero Hedge article was blaming the mainstream media. You know, I'd have to look it up. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? Uh, yeah. Gaslighting America, very interesting. Well, I have to, I'll have to think a little more about that because what she's doing is clearly a PSYOP. And those things, deep state regulation and fake news, are the three things. So, so the media, the news, the free press, whatever, and uh, elections are what puts your representative uh, government in place according to the wishes of the people and informed public. And then the deep. So, if that if those two work, you have a government that is representative that you elected, and then, <clears throat> but it can be usurped by a deep state. So you can have the elected government, but you still have an unelected kind of intergenerational government that operates behind the scenes. So so those three things that she's talking about are the things that delegitimize our government. And it's why our government is not legitimate right now. There's no question about it. So she's saying that Trump promotes these themes. And I'm saying yes. And and I believe that what he's doing, whether he knows it or not, is what Edward Snowden did, and he did know it, which was by calling into calling to people's awareness to all the problems with the USA Patriot Act, 
and how illegal it was, whatever. He said, we need to do something about this or, or he said, we need to talk about this. But what they quote did about it. And I predicted this was they institutionalized it. Uh, we, we, they did the freedom act, the freedom act, USA freedom act, hence your Twitter handle at freedom Act radio. They did that, uh, which then legalized, institutionalized the metadata collection that was was legally sketchy under the USA Patriot Act. So what I believe they're going to do here with all this stuff is is address it by acknowledging it and institutionalizing it. So the fake news thing, they're going to have news requirements, criteria to be called news. I mean, Facebook is doing it right now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that's going to solidify and, and WordPress took all, all of us out or anybody who wasn't, not everybody, but I got a tweet from somebody saying, Oh, well, nobody of significance got purged. And I was like, well, I got purged. This was a listener from Atlanta. So yeah. well, I got I got perched. And I'm not saying I'm significant. It, what's important is that it's people who are not significant. Right. That's the problem. So they're going to. A lot of people were making their living that way, too. Oh, yes. That's terrible. When and, I, and there's when, another yes. thing that I've learned since is the analytics on, on the website, which we weren't using it. We weren't maximizing what we could have with the information we had on it is it helps you target more people who are likely to enjoy what you do. So it enables you to grow your audience better by having that data. And when they purge this, all of that's gone. Yeah, and also subscribers, right? We don't have email yeah, subscribers, subscribers anymore. customer research, uh, you know. And we paid. This is what makes me mad. We and a lot of other people paid for the business plan and had Reliance built our business on it. So um, I don't want to get derailed, but they, but yes, they are attacking. Uh, uh, it's you from Facebook to WordPress to uh, I'm sure the government. I mean, they there have been elected officials chiming in on this. The rigged election thing is coming from all directions. Trump talks about it with Hillary. The Russian collusion thing is a rigged election. I think. What did we see about? Um, uh, I thought there was some scandal. With Israel doing something like that, uh, and we know the UK is is always trying to influence our elections in the exact way that Russia is being accused of it. But it's we, okay because they're not a hostile foreign power. That's the word. They have to be a hostile. But but, a, but they're not really even a legitimate ally because what can they do for us? Repel Canada or Mexico? I, I yeah, I don't know. I heard an argument. Somebody asked, what's the difference in what Russia did allegedly and what Ukraine did allegedly when it comes to the Ukraine's helping Hillary Clinton's campaign? And the answer basically boiled down to Ukraine is not hostile to us. Well, it was until we arranged a coup. That's it's just I mean, that's their <laughs> only satellite of ours, which is outrageous, given that they're historically Russian. The name Rus comes from ukraine russia takes its Uh, name from ukraine yeah uh and and the deep state which is also now being glorified 
So it's all this, it's all a dialectic, thesis, antithesis, synthesis, or problem, you know, crisis, reaction, solution. It's all, it's all the same. It's all, it's very simple. They bring these issues up, these conflicts up to beg for a resolution when liberty and basic principles as enshrined in the Bill of Rights is enough. Start with the First Amendment and and honor straight through to the 10th Amendment. And none of these issues are a problem. There, It doesn't matter if there's a deep state, if the federal government is limited to its 18 functions. Can you name those 18 functions? <laughs> I do. Well, I had a blog post called The Constitution Quick and Dirty. And uh, and if we're up and running again, I can name it in, uh, in, a, in a flash. And up oh, here it is. There are only 18 enumerated powers. You want to hear what they are? Let's hear them. Levy taxes, borrow money. I urge people, I'm already editorializing, to read the Articles of Confederation because the Constitution already went wrong <laughs> with the first couple. Um, Articles of Confederation are way better and legitimate. The Constitution's questionable legitimacy. Levy taxes, borrow money, regulate commerce, establish the, that. And the regulate commerce means you can't have barriers to trade between the states. Establish rules of naturalization. Uh, one, two, three, four. Coin money, um, been usurped by the Fed. Punish counterfeiting. Establish a post office and post roads. Grant copyrights, which I don't even love that. Set up courts. Punish pirates. That's a good one. Um, but Ron, Ron Paul pointed out that Osama bin Laden was a pirate and not a country. And you need, you know, letters of mark and reprisal to hunt him down. Anyway, declare war, raise armies, maintain a navy, make rules for the army and navy, provide for and call up the militia against rebellions and invasions, govern the nation's capital, and make all laws necessary for executing the powers of government as laid out by the Constitution. And then it goes through a long list of things the government may not do. I didn't hear anything about spread fake news. Or give people health care. Oh, I didn't hear hear anything about guilty until uh, proven innocent. Right. Um, But there is, you know, my my current favorite right here is uh, the sixth. Let me remind you what the sixth amendment is. To our great constitution. In all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial. So Bill Cosby went on trial 12 years after <laughs> the prosecutor agreed that if he gave this chick three and a half million dollars, uh, he wouldn't be tried uh, by an impartial jury of the state and district wherein the crime shall have been committed. Which district shall have been previously ascertained by law and to be informed of the nature and cause of the accusation, to be confronted with the witnesses against him, to have compulsory process for obtaining witnesses in his favor, and to have the assistance of counsel for his defense. I believe that's the only thing that it says that the government has to pay for. Or just do it on Twitter and you can avoid all of that and still ruin people's lives. Right. And and if we go the way of China, where the China, 
<laughs> where the credit score, the like jolliness score, whatever your score is, can shut down if you get a poor enough store. It can shut down your access to things. This at the same time that they're moving in some places to a cashless society. Yeah, I saw where there was a – I haven't watched it yet, but there was – I think it was like – it was a Council on Foreign Relations or a Brookings Institute panel on is it time to move away from the United States currency. That's been cooking for a while. They they want to do a basket, whatever. First, they – but there are two – it's two things. One is what's the reserve currency? Who has the right to – counterfeit money right now the biggest counterfeiter is the fed uh then the other question is is it currency do you use currency or is it digital so that they can just shut it down track it all of that uh but facebook and apple are both introducing early stages of credit system you know your rating Apple, yeah, the Apple is yeah. tracking your calls and emails and giving you a social score now. That's that right now. What it's, score. Yeah, what it's saying is the reason it's doing that, according to what it's saying right now, is that if you don't show by the evidence of your emails and phone that you're a real person who uses your phone account for regular things, you will not be allowed to offer critiques and ratings and stuff on products. It goes to, there's other movements like that, like with the net neutrality comments that were bogus. And remember, there's all this stuff about how do we control real and bogus comments. I wondered what that little That's going to end up being conspiracy theorists. Conspira- anybody who uh, shows activity that relates to, uh, or that makes them seem like a conspiracy theorist is going to be deemed somebody who is not allowed to put comments. Well, that's what I think Facebook is after. Facebook, Apple is just talking about the type of activity, I think, so far. But it doesn't matter. Well, they're using these, oh, well, these guys are rating products or these guys are commenting on public uh, affairs and therefore they need to be screened. Um, that can be expanded. Facebook is doing something worse already, in my opinion, which is, they're saying how uh, they're evaluating your history to decide whether or not your um, flagging something as fake news is credible. So people, some people will have the right to suppress news and some people yes. won't is how I read it. Did you well, read it that way? I think that everything right now is is – either directly or indirectly trying to target people who question things because I think that we are going towards some sort of conflict. Oh, yeah. What's happening in Syria right now, was it that Syria shot down a Russian jet? Syria, Russia's yeah. ally, shot down a Russian jet. Why? And and it went back and forth. The story goes back and forth. Was Did Israel duck behind the Russian jet and get the missile to hit it or – First, Putin said that or the Russians said that. Then they walked that back. I don't know. But when I saw that, I thought it is heating up over there. It is. Yeah, There's three stories the other morning, and they put these stories early in the morning, and they change them, that all were war appeals. There's a lot of war appeals going on the other morning. Is all is right on the same day as that Syria thing. And I think oh, that's, yeah. Yeah. I think that's going on a lot, and I think they're trying to – I think everything is targeting people who question things, whether it's directly or indirectly. 
Yeah, I think so. And I and uh, the more I realize what a time-consuming effort it is to rebuild and how much is actually lost in your ability to communicate with people when you lose your subscription emails and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I realize that they've definitely curtailed the ability for regular people to, you know, for dissenters to, to express alternative viewpoints, which is what they do when war is coming. Yeah. And speaking of painting the other side as a liar and not acknowledging your side as well. Now, I know these guys are doing it on purpose. I know these guys are well aware of what they're doing. This is Stelter, Brian Stelter of Reliable Sources, talking about a recent milestone that President Trump has hit. Let's see how reasonable this is. Washington Post. In 601 days, President Trump has made 5,001 false or misleading claims. <laughs> We're at the 5,000 mark now. The untruths have been stacking up at a furious rate. In fact, it's been accelerating in recent months. Uh, on September 7th, Trump broke his own daily record. Uh, on just one day, he publicly made 125 uh, false or misleading statements uh, in a period of time that totaled about 120 minutes. Just see, just see at home. See if you could lie that much in two hours. I, I know that I know that CNN can. <laughs> that, so he was a tell the lie a minute. That's what that was. Didn't doesn't the just man fall seven times seventy times a day? How can he even count the number of lies? How many how many lies that that guy just spewed out in that sentence? I read through some of the lies. They have a whole team at, at the Washington Post. They interview the guy on reliable sources. It was the most absurd interview. But they have a team of people that sits around, and they <laughs> they count all the lies. But the problem is every time Trump makes a joke, it's counted as a oh lie. Oh, my gosh. Every time Trump states an opinion, it's counted as a lie. So it's not just actual lies. It's anything he says that they don't agree with. Well, like. obviously that, but like jokes. Well, they, they take everything literally. That's what they do. That's one of their – that's you know a Michael Moore technique also is when someone says something obviously joking. They've been doing this with Brett Kavanaugh. Brett Kavanaugh, there was a – this was on the front page of CNN and MSNBC either yesterday or the day before. They were like shocking comment from Brett Kavanaugh, raises eyebrows, and they it was a video of him giving a speech. I think at Harvard or something. And in the speech, he says something like, uh, we had one rule here at Harvard and that's what happens at Harvard stays at Harvard. And everybody laughs, you know, right. Clearly a joke that was used as though it were evidence of him being a racist. Oh, yeah. And, and this was used by people in panel discussions saying that's, is that something that parents want their kids doing when they go to that school is what something uh, he made a freaking <laughs> joke and, and you're convicting him of a rape based on it. Well, here's the thing about uh, that so-called news report or whatever, even opinion of Stet Stetler or St what's his name? S-T-E-T-L-E-R. D-I-P-S-H-I-T. <laughs> okay. Well, what he was saying, I, I heard a contra example the other day of what I think this is the best way to explain how I view the news is. So I heard a report on the news about the NFL Hall of Famers 
protesting. They're not going to show up to their induction ceremonies anymore until the NFL agrees to give them a lifetime of health care. And, uh, and there's some, maybe some other thing I can't remember, but they're actually asking for a policy change by the NFL and they're doing something meaningful in protest to try to get, to bring attention to it and to get the NFL to give them what they want. I have no idea about the merits of their claim. Sounds reasonable to me. I think the way they're going about it makes sense. I think it'll be effective, peaceful within their rights, everything. So, and it's so relevant because they are, they continue as Hall of Famers to enhance the stature of the NFL. NFL needs its legends, needs its heroes. And their uh, body goes through a lot of damage. Yes, yes. Yeah. They they stagger up to, you know what I mean? They limp and drag themselves. It's it's hard to watch sometimes. So uh that's a that is that has policy, it has uh a solution, it has a problem, it has all real stuff, all makes sense. And then you you juxtapose that with taking a knee at the flag or the national anthem or whatever at an NFL game to protest something the NFL is not doing that may or may not be represented by the flag that they do not propose a policy solution. It's irrelevant to them getting paid to play football, you know, and the sponsor of the football pays big, big money, the U S army, you know what I mean? The U.S. Army is paying for the football. So the flag is their thing. That's why I believe that's why they do the national anthem. I don't think they always did. Well, as long as I can remember, they did. But uh, the all that um, militarism and stuff is goes hand in hand with their sponsorship. So yet the they get tons and tons of press for it. But to me, that's always – that is – the difference I'm trying to, to show is noise – versus uh let's call it politics and well, that's because yeah, yeah exactly that's what it is one of them is actually trying to get something accomplished and the other one the nfl players are trying to get something accomplished and the taking a knee is a tool for dividing and mobilizing people based on outrage so yeah if it's just a, a psychological that, operation yeah so it has to it, they have to not provide a tangible solution otherwise the movement will dissipate Yes, that's a good point. But also with the Stetler thing. So he's saying, okay, he says 5,000 lies. Who gives a crap? You know what? The only thing that I really care about is the truth he tells, which is I want a $1.3 trillion budget. Why don't we talk about that? That's a terrible thing. He definitely did it. And what does he do with the money? The, the federal government does more harm than good. So let's talk about that. You know what I mean? Let's talk about the policy. Let's talk about the budgets. Let's talk about what they're doing over there. Let's talk about what he said about war. The implications he made before he got elected. They always run as anti-war guys. Always. And they get elected that way. And people believed him because he was so outside the box. Same thing with Obama. When you start, when the people start getting truly jaded about the government, they stop believing. I think George W. Bush was the last straw there. He promised not to nation build all that. People were so jaded and could not accept they knew they were fools for believing what came out from the top. So what they do? They pull out Obama. Look, this guy for, comes from a, a, a historically oppressed minority. He is there. There's no way 
He's Not him man. personally. He doesn't come from like no, a, no, oppression. No. Yeah, because his father was like a Kenyan. Um, I, be- I believe he worked for the British. He was a very well-educated guy. Um, but as a as a a symbol, whatever, to get people to believe this, even if he was from another country, that gets him outside that box of deception from the top. And Trump clearly. His entire story was that he was an outsider. I'm an outsider. I'm not a politician, blah, blah, blah. The tiniest, the shortest investigation into his background from his father making all his money off the federal government to his sister being a federal judge to his uncle getting Tesla's papers for the military to him learning at the knee of Roy Cohn. Clearly, this guy is not an outsider. But in order for people to fall for that anti-war message going in, they all they had to do was believe he's an outsider. And how did he accomplish that? By being so abrasive that no one could believe he was actually a smooth talking manipulator, that nobody would talk that way. Nobody puts their foot in their mouth that much. Who's good at deception. Yeah. You know, so, so all of this stuff is this, is, uh, they, the the fact that they talk about this stuff nonstop on the left means that they're not really interested at all in the real policy problems. You know, it's a it's I, I hate to absolutely not. It. Saul right. Alinsky says you get power, you mobilize a mass group of people, then you worry about policy. And so, you know what, Irving Crystal on the right basically said the same thing. He said, "You're never going. You need power. Don't don't promise them limited government because w- w- you'd be wasting your time. What kind of power are you going to have if you institute limited government? Just lie to them if you have to, but don't limit government the size of government." Woodrow Wilson got elected on the promise of keeping us neutral during World War One. Then almost immediately got us into World War. Was he the one who said, "Mothers, your sons will not fight on foreign soil"? Maybe. Or that was him, or FDR. That sounds like it might have been him. FDR also promised no foreign war. They all did. That's my point. They all promised that, and they all, they all, almost nobody runs on "I'm an insider." They run on "I have experience, but I'm an out." Here, here's the reason I'm an outsider. Like Hillary Clinton was an outsider because she's a woman, but she wasn't an outsider. She gave no. that being an outsider as well. Bernie Sanders was an outsider. Michael Avenatti, the you know the guy who's going to run in 2020, right. which is going to be a, a clown show, he's an outsider. Stormy but Daniels is an insider. Do what? But Stormy Daniels, you demonstrated to me, was already an insider. Yeah, Stormy Daniels has been in this game for, what, 12 years now yeah. at least. Yep. Yeah, oh, which, by it the way, FDR. Yeah. Stormy Daniels, a quick side note, not going to go into the details of it. CNN did like a five minute segment on Donald Trump's penis this week, as described by Stormy Daniels. The don't even go into the details of it. The only thing that the thing that, that, that stood out to me about that was this: this compels the question. Well, the president can prove he didn't sleep with her if he just shows us his dick. Well, but she could have gone to Marla Maples or something. Oh, you think you think they could have got a. A description. That's true. That's true. Got, description. got a description. Yeah. Uh, Epstein. I think they pulled it from the Epstein. It does YouTube sound similar. Yeah. Where they, he was de- being deposed, and that's a legitimate question. Paula Jones had to describe Clinton in intimate detail, I believe, in order to establish credibility. And uh, and they 
court, they would not, I think the judge or whoever or his lawyer said they wouldn't allow him to answer the question. <laughs> it's so gross. It, the, the image of what they, how they describe Epstein's junk just, oh, I can't get it out of my mind. <laughs> yeah, there's actual, there's video of that. I know. I the found listener, the video. Yeah. I did. No, I was I telling did. listeners, there's video. Oh, yeah. Of- Epstein being interviewed and asked about his penis shape. Just please proceed with caution. <laughs> <laughs> Moving uh, right along. I want to give you a good quote that you just reminded me of. Okay. When you were talking about the kneeling protests and how all all these presidents promise no war and then we end up in war. Walter Littman once remarked that politics is the art of inducing all sorts of people who think differently to vote alike. Who said that? Walter Littman. And that's exactly uh-huh. what mobilization is. It's you you convince a bunch of people who have diverging or have conflicting interests, conflicting views, you convince them to unite together and pursue the same ends, whether it's a vote or whether it's a protest action, all while disregarding the fact that their interests are actually coming into conflict with each other because they keep them focused on what they hate. They keep them focused on the other. So let's get a little deeper and let me ask you, uh, is, is democracy any kind of democratic element uh, in government, with democratic element is an important part. Is that the thing that fails? Is it? I mean, all government requires consent of the governed because really you can't frog march everybody to work and then frog march that person to do their their job. You know what I mean? You cannot. You people must cooperate, or you do. You have no kind of governance. In a in a corporation or in a in a political system or anything like that. So, is this brainwashing charade particularly bad because we have democratic processes, or would it just take a different form? Because I feel like with a monarchy, they eventually people just have enough and they rise up and cut the heads off. But but even then, that gets hijacked. I mean, I look at the Russian Revolution which was immediately, you know, within 10 years or far less, uh, turned over to a different faction. Same thing happened with the French Revolution. And even in the U.S., the Articles of Confederation, which were what was won by the revolution, was usurped by the Constitution within 10 years. So is it is it democracy itself that gives rise to this uh, I mean, I really I struggle with that question, because when you look at the monarchy thing, if you look at taxation rates as a proxy for how much people will bear uh, under whichever ruling authority, ruling regime system, monarchs get less. They end up with they can charge fewer taxes. And, and my guess is they have a smaller government apparatus because it's harder to manage without the layers and layers of bureaucracy so are you asking is, is it democracy that gives rise to so i mean should propaganda? we give up on democracy like i'm giving up on the idea and i don't know it's kind of a bold thought but i just feel like it's pathetic and people on the left are are really like the intelligentsia on the left is 
among themselves, I've been in the presence, are absolutely, uh, well, like one guy said to me, it's the Republican leadership is all to blame for not molding their electorate properly, which is what Irving Kristol, the neo-Trotskyite, called for. Yeah, I think democracy is what manipulators use to to hide behind, so to speak. Or as Edward Bernays, the way that he framed it was that it is the democratic right of those who can to propagandize the masses. It is the intelligent fuse right. It's their democrat because you can, everybody can engage in propaganda. And when everybody can engage in propaganda, then it is your right to propagandize. It is your democratic rights. So that's that's the way that he views it. Not although he ignores the factors of, you know, people like him who are among the elites that have no, but the they're trying to power. Sorry to interrupt you, but they they're trying to curtail that by limiting both through force, like shutting us down, and yeah. through legislation or. Um, or just imprimatur, whatever that they that there's like a uh, truthiness test for who can propagandize. But I I had a thought. This reminds me what we're going through reminds me of the book spearheaded by Zbigniew Brzezinski, uh, Crisis of Democracy, where the idea was to make sure everybody was part of a body like a union or a university or a corporation where the democratic processes did not work, that you were bound. If you wanted to keep your job, you better vote like you're told, which I've been in places like that. I've worked in places like that where you get the call. Everybody has to give a thousand dollars because nobody can give more than a thousand dollars. That's like what Linda Sarsour tells people who are in her women's march groups. People think those are autonomous groups that can do what they want. No bullshit. Linda Sarsour and the people leading those groups, those are very tightly controlled. There's been infighting. There's been groups that have broken away from them because they did not follow the strict rules that these groups make people follow. Which are what? They have to engage in the type of protest activities. They have to share the same unity principles, same similar to the Antifa stuff. And they they are strongly, strongly encouraged to vote in a specific way, and they are shamed if they do not. They are pre-shamed. If you, if you don't vote this way, this is your fault. It's, it's a lot of strong emotional manipulation going on. They don't allow rogues into these groups. They they kick them out. Yes, and if but if you take it to the next level with Kavanaugh or Matt Lauer, people within an organization that that if they don't go, I'm not saying Kavanaugh or Matt Lauer don't go along with whatever the bigger organization wants them to. They might just be scapegoats or whatever patsies, but. If you can lose your job, that's even worse than just being maybe not worse. But I mean, you with the Sarsour thing, she needs the consent of the victim. But to lose your job or to go to jail, like Bill Cosby is going to be sentenced this week, it's that's real power over your livelihood. You know, that's like the mark of the beast where they can just kick you out. And you died. reminded me of something right there that I think is important. Not a lot of people are paying attention to. 
I've mentioned this lady Shannon Coulter before on Twitter. Yeah, I have. You said who, she's the one who said like 700 companies will be blocked. If you yeah, just... she has a list. She has she arranged this thing called Block Party, and she headed up the group, and it was over 100,000 people at least who joined this Block Party group in one day. And when they join it, it gives her – it's like some sort of add-on or something, and she, she controls a list of like 700 organizations that this – that the resistance is boycotting, that they are boycotting because for whatever reason and by signing up to her thing, they automatically allow her to control what ads they see. So anybody who signs up, they she blocks all the ads of the companies that are on the boycott list, and she removes them once um, those people comply. And in the meantime, she has all these people. They target these groups on Twitter and they harass them and they bully them and they shame them. It's, it's, I mean, it's terrible stuff. They can ruin people's lives doing this. They have ruined a lot of people, uh, taken away their jobs. But, um, I went and I read through some of, uh, her spreadsheet and looked at a lot of the reasons why certain groups were being banned and what the remedy was for them to not be banned. A large number of the groups that are on this, this, uh, block list. So this is like an this is like an economic it's like sanctions. I compare this to sanctions during wartime. You know, you try to squeeze out a country financially. It's, it's similar to that. Um, the reason was that an executive at the at the business supported Trump, donated to the Republican Party. It was stuff like that, and the remedy was remove this person that donated to the Republican. Oh party. yeah, I saw something. How like far that. does that go? When does it become remove this person, ban this company because they had somebody there who voted for a Republican? You're a Democrat or you're evil. I mean, that's bad. You're boycotting people simply because they chose to support one one party over another. That's I mean, that- disenfranchising them. I understand that they're saying, "Well, we have every right to use these peaceful means." But uh, but I but I think they're they're favored because if you try to do something similar but with a different purpose on Twitter, they wouldn't allow it because that's bullying. You, you I can't mean, that's what even, Alex Jones got banned for. Yeah, you can't even mass unblock people. I mean, those tools Twitter can disallow, and they do for the most part. Sending an army of people, hundred thousand people, to harass companies and people and economic boycotts that is more than just that's more than just bullying that's affecting people's lives on a real level you know i really hate corporate activism because this is how it works this is what i don't like about it where i'm an anarcho-capitalist i think capitalism is the order that is sufficient to make the entire world run smoothly let's say it's a far-fetched ideological idea you can call me names. I don't care. I'm not defending that. I'm just starting with that position that capitalism is uh, the source of all wealth. Let's just put it that way. And why do I, am I okay with the capitalist versus labor uh, setup of society? Well, as a laborer, You can take any surplus that you earn, which you will earn if you have a skill that isn't overabundant in the marketplace, and uh, you can take your surplus and buy a share of stock and participate in the fruits of, of capital as opposed to labor. It can diversify 
your source of income and it can give you profits on just the money. Uh, if, if when you do that, you are forced to support the political agenda of the employees of that company, that is the CEO, you are, you cannot participate in the capitalist system without, uh, taking a stake in a political position you don't necessarily like. And you can't maybe even get ahead in the world of business without playing that game, as we can see, yeah. you know, with how PC these people are. Yeah, anybody who's even neutral today gets blasted for being neutral. If you don't openly come out against Trump and you're a public figure, then you are blasted as why is so-and-so not coming out and defending this accuser or not coming out and speaking out against Trump. Yeah, and they and they take away your you can't just contribute to a political campaign to counteract that because you now you can't even make money in the stock market without supporting interests that are against you like the target thing with transgender bathrooms. If if even if you don't if you're happy with transgender bathrooms, the whole that thing emerged because uh, it, whatever. There's, it was a political decision taken by a, a local government and it has no business rising up to the federal government or even corporations. I don't want them to go in and tell that little town how they have to live. And then if I want to buy a share of stock at Target where I shop, I have to support dictating policies to a little principality somewhere but it can be the opposite it's like plastic bags you know the the feds want it or the feds wanted to ban and maybe have i don't know gmo labeling and libertarians were in favor of it banning gmo labeling so you cannot come down and tell little towns what to do with their politics i don't i don't want my capital used for that i want it separate from that and that's why i cannot stand because these guys are not the biggest shareholders of the companies. They're just the CEOs. They're just politicians. Yeah, well, nobody's allowed to stay out of the political game. That's what they're going for. They want to push people in, so they have to take a stake in it and, and to face those consequences and choices like you're talking about. Well, I just feel like it overly stacks the deck towards the PC agenda. There's no way to win that game. There's just no way. that All the government money is for it because governments – like governments, even even on the right, the guys on the right, Bill, uh, Chris Christie, they want more money. They believe Donald Trump. They believe in the power and promise of big governments. OK, so all those guys are for it. But capitalist corporations should not be. Yeah, Thanks. they shouldn't be. But, you know, it's kind of one. This, it's kind of one in the same at the top. Uh Yes, and I and that bums me out because the little guys should be able to buy one share of stock without being having to donate to the Hillary. So, uh, for your question earlier in regards to democracy, it comes down to the individual, and it comes down really, which this is challenging. It's the education of the individual, growing up, learning to think critically and ask questions, and emotionally regulate. And be able to not engage 
in the tribal battle. It's so easy. It's so, so easy. And that's the point of it, to pull people to one extreme or the other. And it's easy to get involved, to see the, you know, to see the group you identify with fighting with the other group. It's easy to jump on board with that. And sometimes that the group that you identify with is correct. Sometimes they're wrong. But either way, learning to critically analyze those things without just mindlessly jumping on board, that, that's the solution. That, that's, how, that's truly how you protect democracy is at the individual level is you ask questions, you learn to regulate your emotions, and you defend yourself intellectually from being sucked in to this uh, two-dimensional tribal warfare. But if you see this Kavanaugh, I think a perfect example of this going uh, changing, going south, is the way the Kavanaugh thing, let's see how it unfolds, versus how the Thomas Clarence, Clarence Thomas thing uh, unfolded. And I just saw an, a, an article that showed a picture of Clarence Thomas, and underneath it it said... Um, there's already a sexual predator sitting on the bench. Yeah, I know. They and just I, accuse him of being a sexual yeah, predator. So I read the article. It's like, oh my gosh, is he a sexual predator? Because the Anita Hill thing just n- it never was substantiated and nobody else came forward. And it was, there was nothing, nothing new. I thought it was going to be all his clerks saying he gropes them. Nothing, zero, zero. Yeah, so, well, they, some of the evidence that I heard about Kavanaugh, I, I saw an article yesterday and the headline in the article was, Something like Kavanaugh want, wanted his interns to dress and have in quotes a certain way. And so <laughs> the headline just makes it wear look skirted suits. Right. It makes it look really damning. Then you open the article and you read it. And yeah. the girl who uh, who was anonymous, by the way, it's a shocker. She <laughs> said that she in no way heard anything else bad about Kavanaugh, nor did she ever see any in him. Oh my gosh. But the, but the headline, because I remember when I was in law school, it was kind of late in the, you know, evolution of feminism. And it was, it was the cusp. So I literally took a job. The clincher for me was that it was the only place where women were allowed to wear pantsuits because I just couldn't wear high heels, like working at a place that was 80 or hundred hours a week. So that later, so we, prior to that moment, women, men could wear pantsuits, pant, wear suits, and on Fridays they wore khakis. And women wore skirted suits and on Fridays could wear pantsuits. So that was changing right then, and I really embraced it. But I remember that the at court, so I knew people who were going to Supreme Court clerkships or federal court, in the court you were, you had, even somebody who was, out of my class uh, was a journalist for the Supreme Court on the Supreme Court beat had to wear a skirt as a female. So there are ways to dress and uh, but that they, they would say, and it's definitely true. And I'm sure he would tell, I, I depending on what era and he's older than I am. So I imagine it, there was a time when he would uh, tell them they had to wear a skirt. They would not be allowed in court. But what I'm pointing out is that when Anita Hill was um, accusing Clarence Thomas, it was very clear that, or I should say how it resolved was that without evidence, you could not create the moral hazard of having people make accusations and ruin people's careers because then people would lie. Yeah, and you know what they get too? What we found out that they get, you can get, this is if she is goes through and he doesn't push forward 
without evidence, then you get at least $200,000 on a one-day GoFundMe simply yeah. by coming forward. And nobody's allowed to question you. You just get two hundred grand. Now, maybe yeah. something happened. I don't know. But it is a little suspicious. In 2012, when she first, the story goes that she first told her, I think, therapist about this in 2012. <laughs> and ridiculous. The odd thing about it, and they're like, well, she first said it in 2012, so how would she know? To whom? You know, let's see it. Her therapist. But let's see it. I know, but... It's confidential. How can you... That's nothing. That means nothing. And that's what I'm saying. Well, hold on. Let me me get to the point of that. In 2012 is when Kavanaugh's name was first floated by Mitt... Like, when if Mitt Romney was going to win. Yeah, so when he was first considered as for potential nominee that's when she first told it quote unquote to a therapist i wonder why they don't like him i don't know i i read about him and i and i, I read a conflicting story last night so i'm not sure what his position was or is on about the vince foster about thing? vince foster but he was one of the investigators into the vince foster case and i read something from the new york times yesterday I think it was the New York Times where they asked what was up with Vin- with his obsession yeah. with Vince Foster. And I also heard a commentator on CNN mention it, it very briefly, almost like they weren't supposed to talk about it, mm-hmm. but they wanted to get it out there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it seemed as though in the, from those two presentations that he continued to pursue the Vince Foster investigation as though it were a murder afterwards. So it seemed as though – at least from their perspective, that he believed that Vince Foster was murdered. And my thoughts on that were that would make sense because that would mean he's a conspiracy theorist and they hate all conspiracy <laughs> theorists, among other things. But then well, I but read clearly some- Vince Foster was murdered. Right. I mean, and, there's no theory. I, I think the evidence, the whole Ken Starr thing, which he worked on, was designed, I believe, to distract from that or cover it up. Comey was on it, wasn't he? On the Vince Foster case, I mean, there. I think there's no denying that the Vince Foster thing, you have to assume it was a homicide because there were so many fishy details. Yeah. The other thing I read which conflicted with that was that he led the cover-up of the Vince Foster thing. So I'm getting conflicting. Yeah, I'm getting conflicting information there, although – he did apparently pursue it, uh, you know, after yes, everybody now, else continued. The, it always gets – those things get pursued long after the case is over because they need to keep it quiet. They need to cover it up. That's when more people idea. get killed. There are always bodies after cover-up. Yeah. Let me play you this clip of this woman's friend just to show you the type of evidence we're getting. This is somebody who – her name is Samantha Gary, and this is somebody who apparently went to high school with them. And this is one of the friends of Ford, of Dr. Ford, which I find odd because every time I hear Dr. Ford, I think of the Dr. Ford from Westworld. <laughs> yes. As soon as you said that, I thought that. Do you know Brett Kavanaugh at all? I did. I did. I, he was an acquaintance of mine in high school. And, and – uh, did he have this uh, reputation for excessive drinking right. during that time? What about what Dr. Ford is alleging? Have you Was this the first time you had heard anything like that with respect to Judge Kavanaugh? Absolutely. It's not the first time I've heard anything like that in terms of the community of women that I know, and uh, not regarding him, but... Those sorts of things went on. A lot, you know, one of the things that's been surprising to me as I've 
gotten um, involved in this in the last couple of days is how many women of my class have come forward to me in this last few days and said, I had similar experiences in high school. And this hits me very deeply. And I, it's very, not with Brett Kavanaugh, but with not other with Brett boys, Kavanaugh, but with other boys in our community. And, um, and, and we all feel that if we were in her shoes, we'd want to be taken seriously as well. Okay. Okay, great. So, you know, some girls who feel as though something happened to them when they were younger, had nothing to do with Brett Kavanaugh. You've never heard anything about that in regards to Brett Kavanaugh, but because some other chicks had other experiences with other guys, we therefore Brett Kavanaugh's a rapist. I had an experience. Should I tell you about an experience I had that kind of reminded me of that, which I can barely remember? Yeah. It was, I think I was a junior in high school and uh, at some kind of party and somebody I knew but didn't, you know, I wasn't dating him or anything like that. I just knew him. He was like with this gang of like very heavy drinking guys. Gang Brett, of rapists. A gang of rape. Oh, they might have been. Yeah. Like actually, <laughs> a couple of them were brought up on charges like that and yeah. and settled for reckless endangerment. But they, these are those kids, like mobster types or whatever. Uh, and the guy really grabbed me and, uh, and it's not, yeah, he, and I, I had to like fight and get, he was like trying to drag me off to a room and I literally had to like fight. And I think somebody came by and saved me, if I recall correctly, like, uh, just broke it up, you know, was just like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you know? yeah. And, uh, I got away, but <laughs> So that kind of thing, I mean, plus if you, I don't know about this, any, anybody else's situation, but this is why I worry about my kids as they grow up is when, if there's unsupervised drinking and it gets excessive because kids are stupid, uh, they're, they, I don't, men are stronger than women, you know, I mean, they're just stronger and, I think that there should not be unsupervised drinking in high school for people's safety. It just, it gets out of hand. And when uh, people black yeah. out, they really don't remember. Right. Yeah. That's also true. And if guys are real predators, even young guys, and they know that, or I guess they have the date rape drug or the roofie, yeah. stuff like that, you can probably arrange for that. But. Right. Uh, so I, it doesn't, my point is only that, uh, that kind of stuff definitely, I mean, I've had, there's probably not an experience I've heard short of actually being raped that, that I haven't, that doesn't seem plausible to me that I haven't, um, come close to myself, but it seems plausible to me. The problem is that the way that this, and this stems from the hashtag me too movement is that it becomes so absurd. The fact that. We, we are to treat every accusation equally. If someone says someone bumped into me in a crowded club while back that ass up was playing, you know, and they grabbed my butt. And then the next person, and this was on a Washington Post video a while ago. One of the people said they got their butt bumped into at, at a nightclub. One of the next people in the video said that they got brutally raped 
and <laughs> there was blood all over them. I'm like, oh are you kidding God. me? We're treating these same. We're treating these yeah. the same. This is well, absurd. And not just that, but that you simply cannot, no matter what. Like if I were to figure out who that guy was, remember, ask my friends who was that guy. Remember, what did, I, did you save me? Did you walk by and save me? Because I think I remember the guy who saved me, and he'd probably remember the guy who was doing it. I'm sure he remembers the incident. But uh, if you if if you can't really prove it, if that's good enough, you want to believe people because maybe maybe this person or and tons of other people, I'm sure, come out with it because they're trying to do some good, like the guy who came out about Obama, Larry. Oh, what was his name? Not Sinclair. But anyway, so like they're trying to do some good, let's assume. You're talking about the guy who said he had a relationship with Obama in Chicago. Yeah, I got him coke and all that kind of stuff. He he did a press conference and uh, he is still alive. Rumors of his death were greatly exaggerated. But he, so I'm just saying, even if there are- Nobody listens to him. Nobody cares about his story. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. So- I'm saying even if the this is true for Obama, for expanding presidential powers or letting certain tactics slide or giving the questions in advance of a debate. You love Obama. You wanted Obama. You trust Obama. He's not going to abuse that. But the next guy is going to. And I used to say that the next guy is going to be the guy who does. And here they have Trump, who I'm sure they think are abusing all that. And then Trump is going to make encourage the Senate to have a simple majority rule. And of course, then Democrats are going to come in. So what happens is, yes, maybe the first wave of people, although Rose McGowan, who kicked it off, uh, there's like a body trail left behind for that. So I don't believe that was in good faith. However, uh, maybe the first pass is in good faith, but very quickly thereafter, you have this this moral hazard of of people coming forward to lie at the slightest provocation, squiggles on a page. And then if it's anonymous, it's literally Diane Feinstein right in the back room, writing it down on a piece of paper and coming back out like, oh, look what I found. Yeah. And the argument that like people always say, what incentive is there? There's plenty of incentives that people are given to lie. They could be compromised. They could be given money. They could just hate the person. They could be down for the political operation. And the fact that they do it so much, it hurts women and people that are actually victims because the more and more this happens, absolutely, yeah. the less and less people are willing to take it seriously. And there's going to be a boomerang. Like you're starting to see some of the people in Hollywood, like Sean Penn, who, like you said, is a communist, came out and spoke out against the hashtag Me Too movement recently. And he said things that were accurate. That It's just it's when, when you accuse people without evidence and you take people down without evidence, when that becomes a standard, then – the people who are supporting you or who are on your side are going to start to kind of be like, wait a minute, I'm not cool with this because it could happen to them as well. And that hurts everybody who is an actual victim. That that eliminates justice. No one gets justice when that happens. That's ever. a good point. It's a, and, and the collective thing is also a problem. So if you have a there that there are systems in place. I mean, the. There was a major case where millions of dollars were awarded. I think it was Baker McKenzie, where the guy stuck his hand in the pocket of the secretary, her breast pocket, and took some M&Ms or left some M&Ms or I don't know what the heck happened. But those M&Ms. Left some M&Ms? Huh? He left some M&Ms? I don't know what he did. But he just – so I remember being somebody in the workforce before and after that 
seminal moment afterwards. I mean, the sexual harassment just stopped. It absolutely stopped. Any place I worked, well, I shouldn't say that. It was around that time, but I, I, um, I recall that when I worked at my final, like my best job, my big job, uh, it was considered the most hostile to women, whatever. This was the place, the only place to let women wear pantsuits, but they were hostile to women supposedly because they had no like affirmative action for women. So it was a dog eat dog world and not too many women were there, but they were, they would give speeches like, Hey man, we're all in it for the money. You start groping your secretary and we all lose money. So don't do yeah. it because if we hear that you're doing it, you're fired because you are going to cost us money. And boy, people didn't do it. That was the only place I ever worked where I never even heard of it. Never even heard of it. And it was supposed to be the most, it was like the, uh, the company that picked up the mantle from Drexel, you know, those guys. Drexel was the Michael Milken, you know, the, the books were written about these guys. Um, they were the big sharks and, and they were having none of it. So I'm just saying there are individual, there's recourse on an individual basis with rights and protections, rules of evidence, um, a jury by your peers, unlimited awards because of punitive damages, which are meant to deter the behavior in the future They're yeah. meant to get people to sue. So they get some money and, uh, and are motivated to use these resources to stop the behavior. That's what, because suing somebody is a huge pain. It's very emotional. It stinks. So in order to get people to do it, to put a stop to sexual harassment in the workplace, they say, okay, your real damages are just losing a job and maybe never getting hired again because you sued your employer. And then on top of that, we are going to give you, you're, you're going to get to keep the punitive damages that we have entered against that guy so that guys like him in the future know it's going to hit their pocketbook. You get to keep the money because we want people to sue jerks like this. And, uh, and we know it's painful to sue. Like the system is in place and it's individual and it requires, it's, it, it, it get, has incentive for you to go yeah. through the trouble, but you have to prove it. Yeah, there's there's definitely incentive. You're right. And there needs to be evidence there. Speaking to what you're saying at the theater that I used to work at, when a guy would be aggressive or be overbearing or creepy, we would be like, you can't do that shit here, dude. Yeah. And if if it was too much, if it was like if you if somebody was really doing something, they weren't allowed to come back. If some, even if somebody was just like a creepy dude who was just kind of unaware socially, you know, we'd be like, "Look, man, we can't have you creeping people out because we don't want girls thinking that's the place I go. I'm going to get creeped out by these. Weird. We want girls to come. Yes, in. yes. Well, my son was playing a video game and. uh he rarely, if ever, plays with somebody he doesn't know. But I guess, it, like, I don't know if it's Fortnite or what. They have a lot of different people play that you don't know. 
Yeah. And I guess he let somebody in his group. They needed yeah. a fourth. And the guy said something. Some weirdo. Yeah. And and <laughs> I said, well, what'd you do? He said, we killed him. I said, you killed the guy on your own team? He's like, yeah, shot him right in the back. I was like, ugh. <laughs> he got him out of the group. Yeah. yeah, he got him out of the group. And I was like, okay, you really need to do that all the time because the chances are that guy was there. There's a chance that guy was there to to trick you into saying stuff like that. You know, that's the thing that I, I, you know, they trick him into saying what? Just, I don't know what the, he didn't tell me what was said, but he said the guy said something he wanted nothing to do with. Yeah. Now, I don't know about, I don't think this was my son, but I absolutely know somebody whose son was playing, I think a thing called Rust, Rust, R-U-S-T or something like that. It's a new thing. It has nudity in it, but um, which you can opt out of. Yeah, they, I think people are listening. You'll know what I'm talking about. So the guy, one of the guys that he plays with, a stranger, uh, laid down some white nationalist stuff on this kid. Oh, I'm sure. I'm and sure. The kid went to the mom and said, uh, "Is this true?" And she was like, "Uh, you need to get off that game." She wiped the game off of his yeah. thing. But I'm saying, you know, why would that? And the guy went, he went back to the guy and he's like, I can't play with you anymore because you say those things. And then the guy just went off on him. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're a mongrel or whatever. Yeah. There's, I, I've been in those, especially like they used to be. They're not, they're actually not as um, wild, wild west as they used to be. But you used to be able to go online in those games and you would just play with a bunch of random strangers. And all it is is just, Filthy, trash talking, dirty insults. It's so is not it a place sexist, for- racist, anti Semitic, ignorant. Like, what are we talking about here? All of it. It's yeah. people. It's, it's just like on Reddit and all those places. It's people. They're anonymous. You can't see them. But, but there are a lot just- of people there who are are agents provocateur trolls yeah of course i so we used to go in there and mess with people my we yeah. would go we just and that's what people do in those things but some people do it at a level that's really pretty extreme you know i'm just dying to hear the audio from papa john the papa john thing he's suing to get the audio yeah i know good for him he's good got, for i him. really think he got screwed over that and nobody's paying attention to it because they probably oh, recognize right. that he's getting screwed over yeah the narrative's gonna uh, change one more thing, and then we got to wrap it up. We were talking about how, you know, both sides they only think the other side is manipulating, and their side is a mistake, yeah. or um, at least that's what most people believe. Some people are actually, you know, they're intentionally doing those those sorts of things. But what I would ask people is, like, if I were talking to a someone who likes Obama. And some who and they hate Trump. Let's say they like Obama and they hate Trump. As I would ask them, I would say, who is more likely to manipulate you, Obama or Trump? And they would probably say, they would probably have the instinct to say Trump, but yeah. then they would probably say, but I don't believe anything he says anyway. Which right. if they didn't, I would ask them. Say, but you already don't believe anything he says anyway. So the stuff that he says. It, you already assume it's a lie, and the answer is going to be yes. So I would ask them again: Who is likely yes. to? Who's like more likely to get away with manipulating you? I probably say get away, Trump or Obama. And the answer 
would have to be yeah, Obama. Yeah. If they automatically don't believe anybody the other guy says, yeah. and they by default kind of accept everything that this person that they ideal idealize says. That goes so, with my contrary law of democracy. Yeah, it takes somebody on your side yeah. to get you to do something that you would not otherwise do because right. you're always on guard on the other exactly. The other side. And then to that, I would say, don't you think that it it, it is crucial that you analyze and criticize what comes from him even more than you would what comes from Trump, since you automatically don't believe Trump. And, and to that, I, I would also ask him: Is it true? Do you think it's true that Trump one hundred percent lies? And if they say yes, and that's just not a rational thing, yeah, right. So I, I would, I would just encourage them that it's it only makes sense logically. If we're being logical, to be just as critical of the information coming from those that we because why? What is to stop the CIA from planting Obama? As you know, and and his father, his grandfather was military intelligence. His grandfather's records were purged. You can't FOIA that or whatever. Right. And there's a history of this stuff. And if we there's a history of it over and over again throughout history, other countries do it. It's just to say we assume other countries do it, but not not uh, other countries and the other side, but never our side. And like if we just assume that it would never happen, then those who do it can get away with it indefinitely. If we assume that this is not something that's in the realm of our, our reality, then then anyone who is willing to do it, to manipulate, can get away with manipulation endlessly. I always use the uh, elite pedophile rings like uh, the guy uh, Jimmy Seville over there. It, people did not – people do not believe that those things are real because it's so out of the realm of our experience and outside of our morals that – when somebody says it's going on, people are like, that's that's nothing I would ever think, I would ever do, I would ever imagine going on. And because we don't believe that's a part of our reality, it enables those who engage in it to get away with it without any scrutiny ever, without anybody ever believing that it's going on until it's just abundantly obvious. Oh, and and accusations, your shut up conspiracy right. theorists yeah, gives them up. cover. It gives yeah. them cover. That's sick. Right. So especially when history has shown it to happen, then we should uh, assume it probably still goes on at some level. Not all of it, you know, but a lot of it. Well, I mean, anything that we can think of has probably happened and uh, not everybody's gone to jail for it. Yeah, yeah. No, let's end on a on a high note. What's what's happening? What's what's the good word, Binkley? What's the good word? That's what that's what Georgia Tech ask their fans at games, and they say to hell with Georgia. Which <laughs> they go, what's the good word? Hell with Georgia, and then they're like, now we're gonna lose that's to another not good, terrible though. team. That's bad. That's the opposite of what I'm after. Well, you hit on a note there. You hit a, a trigger in me right there. See, Georgia Tech's one and two, and they're playing the number two team in the nation this weekend. So I'm gonna sit and I'm gonna torture myself and watch them lose by forty points this weekend. I love, Tech does this play when they play Clemson. Every time they've played Clemson for the past like 10 years, they do this play where their quarterback drops back, runs 15 yards backwards, and then gets sacked. It's a play they like to run <laughs> every time against Clemson. So they, they end up worse off than they started. Yes. It, it, there is always <laughs> like, there's always like three or four fourth and forties against Clemson. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, will, you're still a fan. Uh, yeah, it's torture. I will tell you this. Uh, the last Tech Clemson game I went to years ago, this can be a little bit of a higher note. We were sitting in the back. Whenever I go to a game, my goal is I'm a, is to affect the game by heckling. I'm, I'm very good at heckling. I started oh, doing I it at a young age when yeah. my brother played baseball at Georgia Tech, and he played in the minor leagues for a little while. He's a lot older than me, so I was like an eight, nine-year-old heckling alongside the college. I, I used to get in fights, <laughs> arguments with the college kids and the other team. I remember Florida State one year used to throw gum up at me because I was uh, – they could always hear me. And um, I got really good. I got really good at heckling. I got really good at getting reactions out of, out of the players. But uh, I, I wouldn't yell mean stuff. I, I would right. just use a really angry tone, and I would yell stuff like um, – yeah, you know, like one time at a college baseball game, I got the parents of the other team to heckle their children with me because I was yelling stuff like, I hope you finished your homework before the game, you know, stuff like that. You know, they're yelling at it with me. So we're at the Clemson Tech game, and Dabo Sweeney is the coach of Clemson, and I'm sitting back there yelling as loud as I can. My friend's doing it too. I'm yelling, Dabo Sweeney cheats out of taxes, just as loud as I can. <laughs> And I'm seeing this guy, and there's other people. If you do it, you get other people will start doing it too in, in the crowd with you. And I could see that this guy in front of me was getting kind of like agitated because he kind of turned around and look, and then eventually he he kind of lost it and he like ugh, shaked his shoulders and he turned yeah, around. Yeah, that's super obnoxious. What's and, wrong with you? He, he, that's part of the game. It's kind no, of- it's not part of the game. That's just. But then again, I hate people. I've seen Georgia Bulldog fans surround and chest bump and try to pick fights with my sister because she had a Georgia <laughs> Tech game on. And you're getting on to me for yelling the Davos when he's a tax cheat. I mean, this is that is mild compared to what usually goes on. I don't think game. I like crowd entertainment. So the guy turns around after I've been yelling that for a while, and he, he <laughs> takes his fist and he goes, "No, he's not." And I was like, "Really?" And then he goes, "He goes." I'm his accountant. <laughs> like, wow, what are the odds? <laughs> wow, what are the odds? No chance. I don't know so if you he, he, looked, he did look like an accountant. He you were did. heckling him. Uh, you know, heckling I, him. You know what? Yeah. If he was actually his accountant, I was like, uh, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. I take it back. <laughs> that that was either actually his accountant or he brilliantly replied to my heck. <laughs> I would have um, never imagined that. I can't watch uncomfortable moments on television. Yeah, uh, it's fun though. You, you just got to get into it. I don't know. I, I own my status as a as a tortured a world heck fan, a world class heckler. Oh yeah, that too. Well, I'm sorry that you were born into that. Fandom. <laughs> Take it from a New Yorker who was born into Mets fandom. <laughs> yes, they too have it. Yeah, <laughs> I get where you're coming from. So that was so much funner than uh, the negativity because I did have I have a, a list of like 40 pages worth of like random thoughts that I've accumulated over the years. I was like, oh, let me give you a nice random thought. Like to get to one that's uplifting, I think it's like <laughs> on page 27. So it's a good thing you heckled an accountant for our amusement. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> it's always fun. All right, thank you so much. What else you got? Nothing. 
thank you guys for listening. If you uh, thank everybody who has donated and supported us in a variety of ways, helped us out. I know Greg helped out with the website, and just everybody who has continued to support us, especially since we've been purged from the internet. Oh. Anybody who wants to donate or help out, I'll put a link to our Patreon and our PayPal in the Libsyn description. And thanks for listening, and we will talk to you guys next time. Later. See you later.